This is Larie Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. someone who I hope is going to help me get my life together <laughs> because uh, Vanessa Risotto is that woman. And although she has a master's degree in marketing from NYU, her first true love is actually science. Always inquisitive, she sought out the help of a registered dietitian in 2004 to better understand how food, what role it plays in our overall health and how we can build a better relationship with it. Fast forward to the fall of 2006, she begins her first class in the nutrition and food studies program and she is then on her way to being a registered dietitian, hoping to make a positive impact on people like me, <laughs> on people like us, as we navigate our way to better understanding nutrition. Uh, she is certified in adult weight management uh, by the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Her work in private practice also includes the treatment of GI disorders, bariatric surgery, weight management, PCOS, family nutrition. She is exactly who I need to talk to today. Thank you so much for joining us, Vanessa Risotto. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. And I have to ask you, am I mispronouncing your name? I'm saying risotto, but I feel like it should be risotto. Is that? Yeah. Okay. It's It's okay. It's funny. My (laughs) maiden last name is Artiega, and growing up, everybody said Ortega, and so this has just, like, followed me in my life, so totally fine. (laughs) It was a part of your destiny to have complicated (laughs) names. I'm so glad you're here. I started out this morning in my moment of gratitude talking about while I was out on my run, because I, like many Americans, I have become acquainted with my refrigerator in ways that I did not previously know as a result of the coronavirus and as a result of being home. I am someone, I'll be perfectly honest, I have a very high metabolism. I usually, in the before pandemic times, I mean, I was putting in walking miles a day just between the subways, the city streets, going from meeting to meeting. And then all of a sudden when the world shut down and I was just going from my room to my living room to the kitchen (laughs) back to my room, which was my office, I realized that metabolism, the way we process food, it it caused me to have to really think differently about uh, what I was doing and what I was ingesting in my body. So I'm so glad you're here with us because I would like for you, if we could start by just talk to us a bit about the role that our relationship as a community that we have with food, how it is either furthering us along the pathways of health or is actually working to pull us back from the pathways of health. Well, I think that the thing is, people want to sort of sidestep is that everybody has a relationship with food and food and that relationship is, is complex. Everybody, whether or not you are looking to lose weight or you just want to understand about food, food is how people connect. It's culture. It's how people show love. And so when people try to take the joy out of food, then mm-hmm. the nutrition really does suffer. Yeah. Um, and I also think that we do a disservice to basically like our kids by not talking about food from an early age and also the kind of language that we use around food. And we're always trying to vilify different kinds of foods and it doesn't Mm. need to be that way. So for example, this morning, my daughter asked for spaghetti for her lunch because you know, my kids are too good to eat sandwiches like regular (laughs) kids. And so, so, um, and, and I'm Haitian. And so, and my husband is Italian, but he fancies himself also Haitian. So there's always (laughs) rice and beans in our uh, house. That's like, you know, if you have, you know, you have bread, we have rice and beans. So I just, the language I use, right, is that 
there is no protein in spaghetti. So you can have rice and beans because there's protein in that. And because otherwise you're going to be tired after, mm. you know, lunchtime, right? If there's no protein. And she, she's like, okay, great. Put that in my, in my thermos and I will go to school and I'll eat rice and beans. So I think the more we understand and we, and as dietitians, right, educate our patients on how food fuels our body, then people can make informed decisions around whatever their goal may be. Mm. I'm so glad that your your discipline exists because I was horrified uh, when I was pregnant with my second child. I was told that I had gestational diabetes, and, and I I was shocked because, as I said, I'm a very skinny person naturally, <laughs> and I yeah, sure. literally my visceral reaction. I'm ashamed to say this. Y'all, all y'all out there, you just go ahead and at me. I'm ashamed. This is Larie bearing her soul. My initial reaction just viscerally was, well, I can't have diabetes. I'm skinny. And the doctor, right. they fell out laughing. Pretty much like right. I'm sure some of y'all are laughing at me right now. Yeah. And yeah. I had such a miss. I had no, I was completely, I consider myself a very informed person. I was completely uneducated about the role of food. Everything that you just said, completely uneducated about it. And then I was horrified to learn that most doctors aren't taking lessons or, or courses in the, the relationship between food and health. So I had to go to someone like you. I had to go to a dietitian. I had to figure out all of these things. And so to, one of the challenges I had, though, was that the dietitian I went to did not look like me, did not yeah. know my culture, did not know my people, did not know how we season, you know. Did, and so yeah. it was a challenging conversation. Can you talk about some of the ways that the lack of having dietitians with your cultural, ethnic, racial background, how does that further disconnect us from healthier food options within the, the diaspora of, of, of black people? A hundred percent. So, you know, 81 percent of registered dietitians are rich white women. I know I, I spoke about this recently and the Academy themselves came to me and told me that they felt triggered by the statistics that they put out that I used, <laughs> which I thought was quite hysterical. Um, and so, yes, if I don't see people that look like me disseminating the information, how can I think that health and wellness are for me? And if I don't see people in leadership in these professions, then how can that be a viable profession for me, right? Mm. And, you know, doctors can't, can't study nutrition for the simple fact that doctors have a lot of things to put in their brain. And by the way, there is a discipline of nutrition for a reason. If you want to mm. study that, then you go and study that and then you help people. But I also think it's not just like uh, about race. It's also about like socioeconomic disparities too yes. right because if you see somebody many dietitians right nutrition seems rich white and restrictive mm -hmm. so if that's not if you come from if you're brown or black and poor and quote-unquote overweight then why would you go to somebody like this right to talk about nutrition you just can't and the whole thing about you know vilifying the food i always say to people what's the difference between kale and collard greens no Thank difference you. there's no difference right except Collard greens taste better. I mean, that's just like right the thing, and so that is and that is very important, right? You need to see people that look like you, and you need to stop vilifying people's food. Rice and beans is perfectly fine. You want to have pasta, that's okay too. You want to have macaroni and cheese, that's okay too. We need to talk to people about amounts. And now the new narrative around in nutrition is like eat and drink whatever you want, whenever you want at the, you know, cadence that you want. And eventually your body will understand what it is that you need and you will be healthy. And mm. like, that's just, that's just not true. Right. And I think they're like, oh, it's dismantling of diet culture. I'm like, is it? Because for many years, 
white women told me to restrict myself and they Mm. were the gold standard of beauty. And now they're telling me to eat whatever I want. And they're still telling me they're still the gold standard of beauty. Wow. So does not just like keep us in the same stupid system that we've Mm. been in. Right. Right. There's, there's a truth in the middle and the truth is right. Nobody wants to admit science isn't sexy, but science works. And if I explain to you Mm. in a very, very, you know, scientific but digestible way. Like, okay, when you eat a carbohydrate, your body has to uptake the carbs into the cell because that's our main energy source. And that means your pancreas is going to release insulin to help with the carbs to go into the cell. If you eat too many carbs, you have too much insulin. If there's too much insulin, your weight is going to be up. Hmm. Therefore, you need to understand the appropriate amounts of carbohydrate at every single meal. You can wrap your mind around that and say, okay, she's not saying I can't have the rice and beans that I've been eating every single day for the last 42 years of my life. Right. She's saying that the serving is a half a cup. Huh? So it's not about criminalizing the food. It's about understanding no. how food works in relationship with our body. That's right. That's and right. I, I remember as a result of the, the, the rude awakening that yes. I got, gestational diabetes. Yes. diabetes, that, you know, you can be a vegetarian, you can really be a starchitarian and be completely unhealthy and, and eschew meat and say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to eat meat because I have whatever health reasons. But if all you're loading up on is croissants, um, biscuits and cornbread, which are three of That's my right. favorite foods foods, um, then you're going to have still um, a very unhealthy food relationship. Where are we supposed to learn this stuff, Doc? I I don't even know if I should be calling you Doc, but I feel like you're a Doc. Where should we be learning this stuff? Where should this information be coming from? Well, we should be looking to trained professionals, like not influencers. I know that's like, I'm very hypocritical when I say that because I am quote unquote an influencer, but I maybe like, thankfully so, right? Because I tell people the truth. Um, Don't go to, don't look on the gram for your news and don't look on the gram for someone to tell you about how things work in your body, Mm. (laughs) right? But the other thing too is like my commitment to health and wellness to be for everyone is my company is 95% insurance based. So if you have insurance, then you can see me. So Mm. you have access to me and all of the dietitians that, Many have been trained by me because I'm the dietetic internship director at New York University. And so, you know, you can get good and sound advice. Like, don't go looking in a magazine. You don't have to do that. You Mm. can reach out to someone who is credentialed to help you on that journey. Because when you're looking at these influencers on Instagram and they're peddling their $50 protein powder and you live in a housing project and are on SNAP, then you're like, well, so I'm just relegated to be unhealthy. And that's not the truth. Mm. Let's talk about your company because I'm I'm really excited about it. And as, as someone who like, like our house is in a, I mean, I guess you could technically call it. I, I know food desert is like a politicized term, but it is difficult to get to a grocery store. We, you know, we're in Brooklyn. We got the bodegas, the corner stores, sure. and the sure. corner store produce looks like it was the produce that first got put on the delivery truck. So it's like way at the front of the way truck, away. <laughs> yeah, and so by the time it makes its way back out the truck, it is like had an extra week to rot. I mean, it, it's just yeah. disgusting. So. Of course, as opposed to picking up the moldy lemon or the moldy kale or greens, I'm going to get what looks fresh and clean, which is usually not fresh food. When we're talking about access to this information, I think organizations like yours, Kalina Health, these are our very important institutions that a lot of us are not connected to. Let's talk about the, the, the need that your organization meets and how it is that we should be better accessing people like you. 
Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're out there all the time. We're talking about what we're doing. You can simply just call us. We'll run your benefits. Also, if you don't have benefits and it's not something you can afford, we definitely do sliding scale. I see people for free all the time because mm. that's who I am. And my, luckily for my business partner, she's like, girl, you got to also, you know, we have employees. And I'm like, right, right, right. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. They'll just come see me. And then I tell right. And she's like, okay, whatever you want to do. But yes. <laughs> You also, what is the messaging that we as practitioners are saying? You know, when you're sitting there like, oh, this is organic. Oh, this is that. Okay, well, when you go to, you know, the surf, if it doesn't say organic chicken, it's not organic that they're feeding mm. you. So everybody relax there. Um, organic doesn't mean 100 per, you know, that it's the best thing. And also, like, you have to understand where people are coming from. So, like, you saying a food desert, I recently did an ad with YoPlay, and, you know, some of my counterparts came at me, and they were like, YoPlay has high fructose corn syrup. I'm like, listen, y'all, I, I had YoPlay when I was a kid. That's all we had. That's, there was no Siggies. There was no Faye. There was just YoPlay because nobody was eating yogurt in the 80s. Mm. So, and <laughs> if you are in a food desert and there's wilted lettuce and banana, not uh, wilted lettuce and um, orange soda and Snickers and YoPlay, is, am I going to shame you for getting the YoPlay? Mm. No, I'm going to be like, that's great. That was a good choice of protein. That's going to help change your palate a little bit, maybe get you maybe accustomed to buy, to trying different kinds of yogurts that are maybe lower in sugar. So it's all about working with people and meeting them where they are and giving them actionable solutions so that they too can feel like they are in control of their health. Let's talk about preparing food. Uh, uh, take us through a day a sample menu of things that would be available to the average person who is not next to, who doesn't live next to a Whole Foods or a Trader Joe's, right? The, sure. the average person who doesn't have a healthy food mart to go to. Talk us sure. through what might a, a healthy day's set of meals look like. Sure. So like, look, you, you can go, you know, outside of like many hospitals, they'll do farmer's markets where people can use, um, assistance if they want to so mm. they're all and you know now that it's summertime it doesn't matter where you live you will be able to find a farmer's market so if you can do that that's really great i tr my family we do like cheaper things like this so we'll do quote unquote so we'll get whole carrots whole celery we'll get um you know cucumbers and so we'll you know slice it all up make carrot sticks make celery sticks and we put them in these tupperwares every week and so there are always fresh vegetables that are accessible. It doesn't have to be, you know, roasted eggplant and zucchinis and, you know, it literally it's carrots that we cut up into sticks and the kids mm. will just grab them and put them on their plate with their lunch and their dinner. They know that they always have to have a vegetable there, right? Then also there's a lot of like planning. So think about what your week looks like. This is how you save money. What does your week look like? Well, am I ordering out? Am I doing that? What am I doing? Okay, well... I can get, I'm going to make, I'm going to get a whole chicken. I'm going to roast the chicken and I'm going to slow cook some chicken breast. So I'm going to mm. roast the chicken, eat that on Monday. Then I'm going to shred it up along with my shredded chicken breast. And maybe I'm going to make quesadillas or tacos on Tuesday, right? I can make a chicken salad on Wednesday. Hmm. Tuna fish is always, if you set something you like, that's super easy. Um, rice and beans is literally every, like Sunday we make a big <laughs> batch of rice and beans and eat it every single day. <laughs> Eggs are also easy, easy to have right now in season, apples and mandarin oranges. So we have a lot of those. We have, you know, a big container of peanuts. So we'll grab the peanuts and the fruit, eat those together. We always have nut butter in the house. So like those are just like staple things that you can have that can take you, last you the entire week. Mm. 
It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be, you know, kale and lemon juice. and It doesn't have to be like that. Find the things that you like and build your meals around that. Hmm. You mentioned buying the whole carrots or the whole celery as opposed to the prepackaged, already cut, uh, already shredded or already uh, uh, having the skin removed. Buying it as its whole and doing kind of that prep work as it, on its own at your house, that you, you mentioned it was cheaper. And is that because you are not paying for the preparation that goes into prepackaging the prettiest carrots and the prettiest celery and giving it to That's you in right. that uniform size? So if we were to take the ugly carrots that are in the loose bunch and buy yep. enough of them, peel the skin, cut them up into sticks, stick them in a Tupperware, stick them in the fridge. Mom, I'm hungry. Go get you some carrot sticks out the fridge. That's, <laughs> so, right. that's exactly, that's, that's what I do. And also you want your kids to eat vegetables. I, I buy my kids from Amazon, these, you know, kids cooking knives, they get, you know, they help us peel, they get the cutting board and they cut up the carrots too. They're like little mm. narcissists. So they feel like they did something and now they're going to eat it because they made it. That's it. Because they made it and they're going to eat it. Now, mm-hmm. now it, it's, I imagine this is easier to do with younger kids. And, and I was fortunate yeah. uh, because my mother was like, don't you give these babies anything but with sugar. And my mother, that's how she raised us. So I was like, well, they can't have no sugar. They can't. So, like, my daughter yeah. is like, mom, I'm hungry. And I'm like, I, we, we actually like kale. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's, So she's like, mom, I'm hungry. Go get you a, a bowl of kale salad. And she'll go get it. Or, mom, I don't want kale. Can I have carrots? Instead? But she is already in the habit and he is already in the habit of seeking out the healthy things because we started them that way. What about right. parents? who realize this after the kids are already kind of pre-teenish and and there are some patterns that are already set and you know wherever you're at that's where you are we got to start with what we have what do you say to parents who have to help their children navigate into that space after ever having already developed some unhealthy relationships with food yeah and so it's called the division of responsibility you provide the food and the kid is supposed to eat it whatever age right (laughs) and so don't get discouraged. It's going to be hard, especially if they've entered into the preteen or teen stage, but you can make the change. So you would provide the food that they deem as safe. So your kid likes to eat chicken and your kid likes to eat pasta. Great. You serve the chicken and you serve the pasta, and every but you want them to eat carrots. So every day you put the carrots there, and one day they're going to eat it. One yeah. day. But one you, don't, day. you don't need to comment on it. You don't need to push it. You don't need to force it. You just need to offer it. You don't need to hide it because if you start hiding food, they don't trust you. You just mm. need to keep offering. But it hmm. is important. I know it's uncomfortable to hear your kids complain and they don't want to eat something. And, I mean, my mom, she'll be like, oh, my God, Rock, my son, Rocco didn't eat. And, you know, I don't know. I'm like, lady, first of all, you're from a third world country where sometimes maybe there was no food accessible to you. And this is America. He's fine. Don't worry about you him. cannot He's tell fine. your mama that. <laughs> she's like, she's like, these She's like, these American kids are crazy. They let their kid go to go to sleep hungry. I don't understand. It. I'm like, this is fine. This is mom. Don't worry. It's gonna be okay. But I keep I always offer the food that I want them to eat, right? And because I have patients actually, I have a patient right now, she got COVID and she lost her taste of smell and she utilized that as her opportunity to start to force herself to eat vegetables because she never ate vegetables as a kid and her parents never made her do it. And now she has like texture issues that she wants to work on because she herself is getting married and is going to have children and doesn't want them to have the same kind of relationship around vegetables, even Mm. fruit. So Mm. you just have to keep offering it and not get frustrated. And, you know, if they don't eat it, you know, you prepare yourself to eat it, but what, what's the problem if you're going to eat the carrot or the or the apple, right? Like, it's fine. Um, but, yeah, it, it's difficult to navigate. I actually know a woman, she's a dietitian, her husband's a doctor, and he literally eats five foods. It's like pizza, chicken fingers, hamburgers, wow. french fries, and, like, soda. And he's a surgeon because <laughs> his parents wow. never made him. 
Right. Right. See, and that's that's the part. I, I'm interested in starting off well, but then thinking about how we transition our own bad habits, because I know a lot of us are yeah. not you know, we're dealing with sort of that in between. And and I guess it's one thing to tell my kid to eat a particular way. I, and we only have a minute or two left. But how do I as an adult? who really loves my Skittles, who really loves my Heath bars, who really loves like, like I'm a sugar addict. What is the first, what are the first two to three things I should be doing to get myself more open to healthier eating and relationships with food? Well, you probably are a sugar addict because you would probably restrict carbohydrate somewhere in your day. So if you just like front load the carbohydrate in the day, you probably won't feel at a propensity to be needing the Heath or the Snickers or the Skittles, right? It'll, mm. It won't be, like in every day, maybe it's in every other day or every third day. So you probably want to try that. But like, you know, just remember, like sometimes we want to eat cookies and sometimes we want to eat oatmeal. And that's okay. <laughs> oh, if my kids heard you say oatmeal, they'd shudder right now. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we don't eat that. I know my kids are like, no, thanks. Can we eat cereal? I'm like, no. How can we follow you? How can people who are hearing what you're saying, you know what, I need to, I need to fix my life <laughs> and my relationship with the food. How do they follow you? What's the best way to connect with the work that you're doing? Yeah, they can go to Kulina Health, um, com. They can follow me on Instagram, Vanessa Rosetto RD, um, recipes and me saying funny things uh, about food. So, yeah. <laughs> it's the recipes I'm going to need the most. I am not yep. uh, the the kitchen genius. My husband is actually a phenomenal cook, and he's one of those people who, like, will walk into the kitchen, open up the cupboards. And I don't know if you ever saw, like, the Matrix or that meme where the letters and the numbers and the shapes sort of come together and they make up this perfectly aligned uh, mathematical formula. That's how he sees food. I see Amazing. food, and I'm like, oh, my God, I have to Google a recipe. Do I have the ingredients? I should go to the store. And let me get this. <laughs> I have no yeah. creativity in the kitchen so the the uh <laughs> the predictable foods i can do if you need a thanksgiving meal i got you and i can cook that great but like be creative and find something different on a tuesday as opposed to what we've had monday and that is not my my, my skill set so i will definitely be following along at kalina health at c-u-l-i-n-a health.com i am very grateful for you uh miss rosetto Thank because I, I gotta think about this differently and covid i think you know when we were going into this pandemic a lot of the time they would like to say it's the comorbidities it's the diabetes it's all of these health and food related issues that are making you more susceptible to the pandemic there's a lot there, there's something to that but there's there's some other things that we we all we'd have to have you back for more of that conversation but the yeah. idea yeah. of our food habits contributing to our physical collective state of dis-ease i think is something that we really are going to have to address so thank you so much for being with us i appreciate having thank, had you here thank you so much it was so great i hope you have a great day you too 